Hello and welcome to Five Questions with Steve Moulter. That's me. Karen Jerzyk is a photographer whose trademark is photographing elaborate scenes in abandoned buildings. Her work is insanely colorful, super dynamic, and it, it, it creates a sense of realism and chaos, and she approaches every piece with meticulous detail. Karen kindly invited me up to her studio where she was designing a set for her latest piece. Uh, her, her spot was super cool, full of old antique pieces, dismembered mannequins, all these like seemingly ancient paintings and, uh, and photography gear, of course. We chatted about not fitting in, struggling to find artistic voice, favorite filmmakers, and her father's battle with cancer and its effect on her work. Oh, yeah, and of course she answered five questions. Meet Karen. What is your greatest fear? Oh, man. Well, to kind of piggyback off the the getting old thing, I think my greatest fear changes as I get older. Um, I think, like, when I was a kid, it was, uh, I'm afraid of going to school and being picked on today. That's the worst thing that could happen to me. Like, around, like, junior high, I remember that being a thing. And now it's like just getting old and who's going to who's going to still be around when I'm older. Now I'm only 36, so I, I don't know why I'm th- I'm just like Ooh. um <laughs> I, I'm I think I'm just I have the soul of an 80-year-old too like, you know, I have my cats. I'm a crazy cat lady and but I think about that stuff um cuz I don't have any kids and I'm an only child, so I'm like, you know, when I'm older and I can't take care of myself possibly, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. I could die tomorrow, but I guess my biggest fear is just being alone, dying alone. I mean, you know, ending ending up an old person with no one to talk to and just, I guess, yeah, just the loneliness of, and it's weird because I'm a very, I'm a pretty introverted person. Um, I don't go out much anymore the only time I go out is really for like photography type stuff other than that it's you know it you have to go through the government to get me to get it's a huge deal but yeah I'd say that's one of them um and I get I just get paranoid about so many different things as I get older too and I don't know if it's like um just a mental thing that I have to kind of work through but you know, as you age and you get more mature, you figure more things out and you realize more things. And I think that's my issue is just processing, you know, what I'm learning. And whereas, you know, if I was a teenager, I'd be like, Ooh, whatever, it's, you know, it's nothing. Now I'm like overanalyzing stuff and I'm like, is this going to kill me? Is this going to make me sick? Is this, <laughs> am I doing this? Does this person hate me? So... Yeah, I'd say definitely my biggest fear right now is being an old lonely person. And do you like do you what do you do to approach that? Like I mean, as opposed to just being like, okay, I'm going to die alone, right? Like that's one extreme. <laughs> yeah. you, is there anything you do that kind of helps you get through that? Um I mean, I I think yeah, sometimes I I try to work through it. I think of maybe like older people I know or even like reading. I saw this story on the internet and it just killed me. It was it's it, I think that's what really initially too. I saw it a few years ago that got me thinking about it. It was 
this old woman who wrote a letter to her neighbor and the old woman had, it was somewhere in the United States, I forgot where, but she had no relatives. She was literally alone. And she wrote a letter to her neighbor asking if she would be her friend because she had no one, like no one to talk to, no family, no friends. Um, cause she was, you know, I think she was up there. She was like late nineties. So all her friends had already passed. So that kind of got me thinking, but I, I think of stories like that where the neighbor did reach out to her and, you know, now the neighbor brings over her kids and it's almost like that woman has a family. And I thought, wow, something as simple as just writing someone a letter. You've, you know, I figured I'm like, all right, if the first person I write a letter to doesn't answer, you <laughs> yeah. write five letters yeah. and someone's bound to feel bad for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think just I let stuff get too heavy and I let it weigh on me and I... I need to be more optimistic, but that's what I try to do when I, you know, when I have a fear like that and I worry about it, it's like, well, there, there's people out there that it happened to and they got through it somehow and they corrected it and they're living it. So, so there's hope, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. exactly. Right on. Exactly. So you talk about loneliness, which is actually one of my questions. Um, how do you deal with loneliness now as opposed to just thinking about, you know, writing those letters, right? But yeah. what do you do now when you get into moments of loneliness, if you do? How do you deal um, with it? It's hard. Like, I feel like we live in such a bizarre world right now. Um, I'm the kind of person that I kind of, I, I really don't know what to do when it happens. Like, And I, I feel left out a lot, just left out kind of um, like I don't belong constantly. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be in a room full of people that I think I share similarities with or I think they're good people. And then I don't know if it's me just overanalyzing or me. I, I don't know. I just don't feel... Like I belong there. So like when I do go out and I do go into a public space with people, I, I'm always that person that's like, all right, I got to leave. And I just leave without saying anything. The Irish um, goodbye, as they say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I read a lot. Um, not that it's probably healthy to just be like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to shut myself in from everyone. But it really, it really does help me to either read or I, I'm a huge movie person. I nice. love movies. Nice. Um, I get most of my inspiration from movies and I feel like it, it's weird when I, when I read or I watch a movie or listen to music, um, it almost like recenters me. But especially when I watch a movie, and I don't know why, um, I think it's just because it pulls me out for a while. It, it's because, like I said, I, I, I think I overanalyze stuff a lot, so I have to kind of like sit back and get away from that and then revisit my thoughts fresh. And I'm like, okay, maybe I was acting, maybe I was being the weirdo or maybe (laughs) I was, you know, it's like that person that didn't say hi to me that I thought, Oh my God, they hate me. They, it's like, well, I didn't say hi. Totally. So they could be thinking the same thing, you know? So, um, I try to self assess a lot too. And I think, I think that's hard for a lot of people to do. I mean, it's hard for me to do, but I, I make the effort too because I, obviously we're not all perfect so we have to figure out what's going on like there's two sides to everything and i 
I always try to see the other side and I think that helps me get through, you know, feeling left out or feeling like I'm lonely or it's just kind of like taking a breath, recentering and then looking at it again. Yeah. Just like when people are working and they're like, I'll get, I'll get at this tomorrow. I, I got to leave the office for the, for the day. And you know, the whole quote unquote, looking at it with fresh eyes. Right. So. That's a great perspective. I'm curious what movies you would recommend for moments like that, because I'm a huge film <laughs> yeah. guy too. So like, what are some uh, so, of your favorites? Not even just for that moment, but what are some of your yeah? So like go tos. I um, I was watching like pretty, <laughs> pretty heavy stuff from a young age. I'm like, that's weird that my parents let me watch that. <laughs> but, um, huge Stanley Kubrick fan. Yes. Um, David Lynch, Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. obsessed with Terry Gilliam. Um, Wes Anderson. The past yeah. like ten ish years, I've really loved him. Um. But just stuff like that, and there, there's still good stuff coming. Like the past couple of years, there's been some uh, Reffin, Nicholas. Wa- oh I my goodness, Nicholas Winding, Nicholas Winding Reffin. Reffin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love his. He reminds oh me of God. like almost like a Kubrick mixed yeah. with like I don't know, sprinkled with other stuff. But um, his uh, when I watched Only God Forgives, I was yeah. just like floored. Like yeah. that, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, and that, that. it's funny because like. You mentioned that I'm a huge IMDb person mm-hmm. too. I love reading the trivia. Yeah. So totally. I was reading like all the weird trivia on that, and there's a part where Ryan Gosling sticks his hand like in his mother's like yeah. her, she, her stomach's her, she cut open. Cuts her open. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that wasn't scripted. Like he just like Whoa. he was like, "What if I put my hand?" Yeah. And I was like, "Way to go, Gosling!" Her womb, I think. You know, yeah. Exactly. He oh, and he actually uh, Gosling actually directed a movie that reminded me of Reffin. Um, obviously, I mean they've worked together so much. He's yeah. an influence uh, called Lost River. Oh, I have to and check it's it out. Amazing, okay. yeah, check it out. It's super weird. Like Sweet. Just, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like it's you have those like what the hell am I watching moments, but yeah. it's good. It's like visually, and that's the thing with me is the it doesn't have to be. Like nonstop action right. doesn't. I'm not like a huge action person, and I watch a lot of movies where most people would be like, that, "That's boring." Like nothing happened. But if it's like visu- everything happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, if it's yeah. visually awesome, the dialogue could be the worst. Like everything right. could be the worst. But if it looks good, right, I'll watch it over That's and sweet. over again. <laughs> they were. I was at the MFA in Boston a couple of days ago for Valentine's Day actually, and I was with my girlfriend, and we went to see The Princess Bride. Because they were doing uh, a screening, and I love that we had yeah. such a good time. It was so awesome! But they had they were advertising a Kubrick triple feature for Saturday. I couldn't go. What day uh, is it? Yeah, I guess it was last so Saturday. So it's past. Yeah. So it's past. Oh, but they man. did. It was. Um, oh my god! Now I've forgotten. I've already forgotten. It was Clockwork Orange. Uh, I think. Uh, Doctor Strange Love and The Shining. Nice. I, I I was just watching the Olympics and someone, one of the male skaters, danced to singing and uh skated to singing in the rain. Nice. And I said, oh I was like, I can't hear this song. Uh, I I said to the person I was watching it with, I I was like, how cool would it have been if his costume was yes. from Clockwork Orange? Oh my! If God. he was dressed like Alex, the judges probably wouldn't have not. No, un- they, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's awesome. What's your greatest accomplishment? 
I don't, I don't know if there's just one, um, I mean, the thing in the past year I've been most proud of is, uh, I had my work, uh, published in High Fructose magazine, Sweet, which yeah. I, I'm obsessed with that magazine. I have been since, like, since I was even taking pictures, I think. So that was something where I was like, that's really cool because that was something I strive for, um, you know, there's certain places where I want my work published and certain, like, kind of thresholds I want to cross. But um, I'd say, like, it, it's strange from going to... There were so many years where I didn't know who I was and what I wanted to do, so I really didn't have any goals. And if I was kind of hitting achievements or accomplishments, which I don't think I was for a long time, I wouldn't have even recognized them. Um. Cause like I said, I didn't, I didn't really have any sort of like path or whatever, but, um, it's just weird to me how like every year I see progress with myself. And I think that's the greatest accomplishment is feeling, cause I'm like very, um, like I, I have low self-esteem. I don't really look at myself as I, I hate, you know, when someone comes up to me and they're like, I love your work. I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I just, I just do it. You know what I yeah, mean? I don't, yeah. uh, I don't like really talking about myself a lot. So yeah, here the, we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I guess that's my greatest, and I've never really thought about it, but it's just, it's a huge step for me to realize I'm making progress and to feel good about what I've been doing. Um, and that's all I really want. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, obviously I do have like dreams and goals and whatnot, but yeah, being able to see myself and kind of be proud of myself for the first time ever, I'd say, um, that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I think a lot of people go through their lives, especially artists, who struggle internally and then have to share that. I think a lot of people don't achieve that. That's amazing. Especially at such a young age. I mean, you know, yeah. to be able to, to, and to see it that way, you obviously do a lot of work. You've said so already that you do a lot of work where you self assess yeah. and to be able to recognize that, Hey, I have made an accomplishment and I continue to, that's mm -hmm. fantastic stuff. Yeah. And congratulations for Thank getting you. better. <laughs> I mean, you know, as an artist too, you know, progress is, it feels unattainable right. until you oh, look yeah. back and you go, Oh yeah. wait, I've been doing this all along. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I look back on some of the years of my life and it's, yeah, I, I can't believe I got through it. I can't believe I saw the force from the trees at some point, you know? Cause yeah, you, I went through so many years where I was like, I'm not going anywhere with this. What am I doing? And all the different things I've tried when I was younger, I thought I could draw. I thought I could paint. I thought I could, you know, and that just kind of, I was a realist when, when I got older, you know, you get into junior high and high school and you see the people that are gifted with that kind of skill. And, you know, I was like, Oh God, I, this isn't for me. Like, yeah, you know, right. you like, see yep. from, you see from those people, what, what level you can be at if you really want to make it. And it's like, Ugh. I, you know, and I still, I would still do stuff just cause I enjoyed it. I would still, you know, do sketches, whatever, but I knew that really wasn't the path yeah. that I, I just saw that I was like, no, this isn't, it's not clicking. Like I saw what other people were doing and then I looked at my own stuff and I was like, I'm not satisfied with it, especially, but that's, what's so good about following other artists too, because once you kind of, once you kind of key in on what you want to do, um, 
it, it's and it's weird we live I, I feel like i mean i don't know if it was like this all the time but just uh, people are always jealous of people that do better than them and for me i love seeing people whose work is anything not just other photographers just painters and sculptors because i i get inspiration from typically other artists that aren't photographers um but just seeing people whose work is like mind-blowing i love seeing that because it's like that's what you can do that's what people are capable of i didn't even know that until i saw this person's work and then it, it you know it gives you hope that you know this person started somewhere too they started with nothing they s- didn't know what they were doing so absolutely that's yeah being able to frame it that way is great i've i've had similar experiences you know i look at other bands that are peers and they're like boom like taking off and i'm like oh i want that there's a little bit of yeah. jealousy for me but then there's also like well why can't i do that right, right. if they can do it anybody can do it right you just have to do the work exactly yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome What's the most difficult thing you've ever had to do? Definitely, we were talking about before you were recording, my, my father passed away in 2011, and it wasn't, it, it, was, it was pretty quick in terms of, I guess, you know, and this might sound horrible, but this is just, you know, of, of finding out he had cancer, and it's, I try to look at it that way, it's like, thank God, you know, he didn't suffer for months or you know whatever happens to other people that I I can't even fathom how they go through that but um he had had a stroke well he had had a heart attack and we didn't know he didn't know um and he was sick and he was like throwing up and my father was never sick um ever I've never seen him sick before so I kind of knew something was up but he's he was one of those people that hated going to the doctors which most people do um so he had a heart attack and went about his day for about well days for almost a week and that that's what they told us that's what they think it was like around a week and because that happened his his heart had made like clots because it was beating irregularly at that point and a clot went up to his brain one morning and just, he just had a massive stroke. And, um, so the paramedics came and I just, it's weird because I couldn't sleep that night. He used to get up at like foot, he was 63. Um, so he was two years away from retiring and he used to wake up really early in the morning. So it was like around four thirty in the morning. And, um, I called the paramedics and I guess they, revived him which at that point I mean it was such a massive stroke I you know they put him on life support but he you know he he was pretty much 100% brain dead but we didn't know that at the time so you know we got to the hospital and everything's so fuzzy from then it's weird I I always tell people that like the first year after my father died I don't any movies I watched I don't remember or like people I met or it's such a it was like living life in a fog like I thought I was okay it's weird you go through that first year where it's like I'm fine things are weird I'm sad but I think I'm fine and then you realize as time goes on that you weren't 
fine at all. And then it's like, it, it took me years to get over it. I mean, I just, I mean, I wasn't really okay until probably around like 2014 or 15. Um, but I didn't realize that. And that's the scary thing about, you know, when people talk about like mental health and everything, it's a scary thing. Like I think back of what I was thinking then and just how I was acting toward other people. And like, I, I would have like these weird outbursts and I, I, but I didn't realize it then, you know, but, um, so yeah, he had, he had been in the hospital for a day and, I remember going home that night and we didn't really have any answers or anything, but I, I assumed it was bad because for an entire day he didn't wake up, like didn't talk. Um, so I remember sitting my mother down and I was like, we have to ask them what's going on. We have to, cause he was on life support. So I was like, we have to figure out, cause that was not his wishes to be like, I don't want to be, if anyone's listening to this, I don't want to be on life support if there's no chance for me, but that's, I mean, that's the thing people don't understand. I think there might've been people in my family that were shocked that, and that answers a question of what the hardest thing I had to do was. It was definitely going in and having to tell them that we had to take my father off life support. Um, like I said, I'm an only child. My mother was just, you know, she was not in her right mind at that point. I, you know, I had to make sure that's what she wanted to do. But, you know, we knew, it's like, I think about, you know, say they were like, you can put him in a nursing home, and it's like, I can't imagine living day to day knowing my father is just, you know, just being kept alive by machines, and can he, it, it was just weird, it was, it was a very bizarre, and, and then you think about it after, it's like, did I make the right choice? I mean, they, we made sure we got all the answers, the doctor came in, and I, I just remember her saying... And it was weird. It, it she looked really set. It, most doctors are usually stoic, and and she seemed very depressed that she had to give us that news. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it you know just asking questions after that. Um, we decided to do that, and it was just a it was a weird decision. Um, not it, obviously it was hard, but it was just. But I still can't wrap my mind around... I don't think I'll ever be able to wrap my mind around the fact that we had to do that. Right. I and it's I nothing I really think about much, or I, I don't know if I want to, or I don't really... But... And that's the thing. I, I remember telling my mother, you know, after right after they took him off life support, it took him, I think, like six hours to pass away... But it was hard watching it, you know, your your lungs fill up. And, and that's the thing with me, too. I mean, I, to me, it's like if I can't live without being on machines, that's why I don't want to be on life support. I want to be able to sustain myself without, you know, and it, it was terrible watching that, like watching him die, just watching for six hours. But like I said, there's people out there that have to watch their relatives go through it for months or but I, I just remember looking at my, at my mother, and I'm not a religious person. I, I mean, I'm, like, spiritual, but I told her, I was like, if there's any sort of God anywhere, he will just let him, please, just let him die, because I, I couldn't bear to watch that. And ironically, my father's father had passed away the same way. But when they took him off life support, he had survived, like, six months. 
Um, and I, I was just so fearful of that because it's, it's just like a, a breathing corpse almost. I mean, not to sound no, gross understand. about it, but it, it's yeah. not the person you love there. It's almost like just, it's like a shell and it's, it's hard to see. And I remember for months after that, um, you know, it's like you shut your eyes and that's all you can see, but then eventually that goes away. Like, I can't remember how bad it was really. I, I remember it was bad, but I can't, it's almost like it was a whole level of new experience, like, um, that I can't even describe it, but I can't remember it either. Like until it happens again, God forbid, but you know, it's, it had, like you said before, it happens to everyone and yeah. you, usually more than once. So, wow. but wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, and you know, going through something so, and it was, you know, 2011 is seven years ago. I can yeah. imagine it still has a very, still holds a large place in your heart. I mean, yeah. And, 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 and being able to move on and yeah. sort of justify moving on. Yeah. And it's, it's strange too, because then after my father passed, I had a lot of friends around me who, like I had a friend who I think his father passed in, I want to say 2013 or 14. His father had ALS. Um, and I just remember, I was like, oh my God, because that is a very long and that that's hard. And especially with something like that, where the, you know, the person dying can still think they still, you know, they still have with my father, it's like, boom, he was just, um, and I had a few other friends that, you know, their fathers or loved ones passed suddenly, but, um, it, it's almost like you're when that happens, you're in like this club, you know, of people, especially when people want to talk about it. Like I, I don't go up to random people on the street. I'm like, Hey, guess what? My father died. Did your father die? Have you ever known anyone close to you that died? But, um, it's hard to get people to talk about it. And I think that was my issue when it first happened is that, a lot of my friends hadn't lost anyone. I mean, when you're all in your 30s, it's still, you know, you might have lost a grandparent or something. And not that that's not bad, but it's, I'd say it's way different than losing a parent. Who's still relatively young. Yeah. And, you know, I'd I'd express to people that I kind of wanted to talk about it and people don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole, especially if they don't. You know, they weren't they don't like, have the experience. They right. Feel like it wasn't they like they weren't like face palming me, like sure. get away from me. But I, you know, it was right. very, you know, they'd just be like, okay. Like, like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, ner- it's ner- Yeah. Cause you don't want to say the wrong things. Right. Right. And yeah. I can, I could feel that. Yeah. You know? And I, and that's definitely, um, the lack of being able to talk about it is really when it's bittersweet because I, like that's when my photos, like my actual work started having some sort of life. Whereas before then it's like, yeah, I was going to cool locations and I guess my photos kind of looked, you know, cool aesthetically. It was like, Oh, that looks pretty neat, but it's not, it's, they weren't something that someone would look at and stop in front of it and be like, there's a story in this. I don't know what, but I'm going to stand here and look at this to try to, and so it was almost bittersweet. It's like my, fa- I, to me, my father passing away was like the start of my career as an artist, like the real start when something clicked and I, I was like, I get it. <clears throat> um, you know, just seeing the world differently and 
trying to cope with stuff that it was basically my coping me- mechanism because it's like I can I'm not the kind of person that can talk to a therapist I probably should have I, I I don't know like you know it's yeah. if I had the answer to <laughs> what and I didn't try it which I I probably should have but I just a lot of people would recommend it yeah. to me and I was just like I don't I don't feel like telling a stranger I, I just can't yeah, like, like I don't deep and yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an um, interesting experience. I just, sure. I just want someone close to me to understand that. Was, and right. I, I, it was hard finding it. So that's why I was like, you know what? I can just dig in deep to what I'm doing. I can lose myself in this stuff. I can take those feelings and somehow make them into something visual. And that was like important to me. And even if it didn't come out what I was thinking, it was just like, everything just coming out of me in like almost like a therapeutic way and I guess after a while I kind of learned how to like corral that when I started feeling better and it's like okay like this is this is how I'm gonna kind of piece these puzzles together and yeah it's it's amazing and you know everyone has a different way to deal and for you to be able to do what you do you know, it's a wonderful thing, you know, to, to f- turn that anguish into something that's really special, you know, yeah. and to be able to share it with people too, obviously. I yeah. think that's, you know, the connections is a huge thing. That's why I do this, you know, yeah. to, to see those connections and to develop those connections. Um, but for you to be able to, to make an adjustment based on a re- like an impossible time, you know, and, right, then, yeah. and then create something from that. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And I I always think like where where would I be and it it scares me thinking if I didn't have this outlet I don't <laughs> I don't know where I'd be right now you know if I would be here or because you know and it's weird too because you feel when something like that happens you feel once again you feel very alone it's like I know this has happened to literally zillions of people yet I feel like the I'm the only one that this has happened to and it's it's the most bizarre thing. What will you miss the most when you're gone? Uh, um... I always think about that and it's it's just the fear of not having senses, I guess. Um it kind of goes with that when people ask would you rather be blind or deaf? Uh and I really can't answer that, but just I do think about that. Um you know, what what happens when you die and just trying to think of getting a grasp on just yeah, not having senses because I guess the easy answer would be just picking one thing like I'm going to miss listening to music right. or seeing things or and just picking one of those but I guess it's not yeah just the sense of like your soul like I don't I I feel like your soul is just everything like everything you're absorbing your that you hear that you process that you think and just having that energy it, like if you lose that energy um I feel like that's that's what I would miss. Um, yeah, just feeling. I guess I'd miss feeling even every kind of feeling, you know. It's 
even bad feeling to sad, happy, whatever. Um, I can't wrap my mind around not being able to feel anything. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Check us out at fivequestions.me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the Apple Podcast Store. New episodes every Tuesday. Uh, check out Karen at karenjerzikphoto.com. Take care.